invite you to remain standing for the reading of Scripture today. It comes to us out of the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. We read through verse 29. John 20, beginning in verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read and word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. You know, one of the most useful apps on my smartphone is the calendar app. Because in the calendar app, I can set events of things I have coming up years in advance. It's pretty empty years in advance, but there's still the possibility to do so. Most importantly, I can see the events that I have coming up in the next weeks to come. And not only can I put down the events in there of things that are to come, but I can also use the scheduling feature of that and I can have it send off a notification of when it's time for me to leave to go somewhere or whenever I'm already running five minutes late and, it's, and, and I put in there get up and go dummy you know I can, I, I can notify myself be reminded that I have something to do and to get on and go and do it anybody else use, use the calendar app on their phone there's other um, notification apps uh, I mean I don't even who has an alarm clock anymore? I mean, I use the alarm clock on my phone, mainly because it sets the time for me automatically when the time changes, and I don't have to worry about it, so I'm not late on Sunday morning. Last thing you want is whenever the time changes is the preacher to be an hour late, amen? I don't know, Roy may, may appreciate that, I don't know. He... Amen. <laughs> but how many of us sometimes need notifications? We need to be reminded of things. Smartphones are a great way to do that. What did we do before we had smartphones and computers? 
You know, truthfully, in my professional uh, career, I don't know what it's like. I'm probably the first generation to not know what it's like to not, once I got to the age of, of, of working and in a professional career, to not know what it's like not to have computers. I know what it's like not to have a smartphone. My first phone was a little Nokia about that long. So I know that feeling. But what did you do for notifications and reminders before smartphones? Maybe, maybe you, you had the post-it notes. I pick at Monique all the time because every time I say something, she pulls another post-it note. And they're all over her computer. I pick at her all the time because she loves her post-it notes. <laughs> the post-it notes are for those who aren't smart enough. For a smart I won't let Dad have a smartphone. He's still got his flip phone because I'm afraid he won't know how to unlock the phone to get into it. So, anybody, I've always wanted to ask, has anybody ever actually used the string technique? Tie a string around your finger to remind you of something? Anybody ever actually used that? I've always wanted to ask somebody. My problem would be I'd forget what the string was for. I'd forget what the string is for. Well, we've needed to know for years how to remind ourselves of different things. And, and the disciples were no different. The disciples in the day of Jesus were no different. In our scripture, we see the disciples in a secluded room. They're in the upper room. They're trying to keep the outside world out so that they can get the story of what happened straight amongst themselves first. By this time, they had heard the stories from those who had visited the empty tomb, and they still had doubts about everything that they were hearing just because of the practicality of everything. I mean, think about the human nature about what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, once someone dies, or even died in this time, they did not usually just come back to life. I don't know about you, but if we're ever having a funeral, and the dead sit up, the funeral's over. But that just doesn't happen. We may have to have two or three other funerals from the people who, who drop dead sitting there, but people don't usually wake up when they die, right? Same thing in the days of the disciples in the first century. So they're trying to get all of the details about all the stories that they've heard from those who have seen Jesus, like the women at the tomb and the, the men he met along the road and, and others, straight. They're feeling torn inside because of this clash of faith versus the nature of the world. And all of a sudden, while they're sitting in there discussing what in the world has happened or what out of the world has happened, Jesus appears out of nowhere. Didn't even use the front door, y'all. Jesus appears out of nowhere. And his first words, peace, shalom, be with you. You know, this isn't like we enter a room today. You know, usually we come into a room and we say, we say, hello, we say, how you doing? Howdy or sup. You know, whatever. We have all many different ways of, of saying hello. And this was not like anything that we have as our uh, salutation today. 
Jesus wasn't just entering the room to greet them in this moment. This is Jesus reassuring them that He is alive. That, that He really never left them in the first place. And it's a reminder to the disciples and to all of us today. Peace be with you means that Jesus will never leave us for as long as eternity lasts. Someone say amen. You know, this phrase, peace be with you, this phrase is Jesus calming our souls. It's Jesus saying to us, block out all the overwhelming voices of the world and listen to the voice of God. How many of you enjoy gardening, working outside, especially whenever it's beautiful outside and it's time to plant. There was a man and his three-year-old daughter whose name was Emily, and they were working out in their flower beds, and, and Emily stopped and pointed out a single blooming flower and said to her dad, I want to pick that flower, and I want to give that flower to God. Now remember, she's three. Her dad replied, well, instead of picking it, why don't we just say that God can have that flower exactly where it is? And Emily said, nodded with approval. She agreed. And then she faced the sky, closed her eyes, and folded her hands, and stood there for a few seconds as if she was praying. And then, without doing or saying anything else, she said, you're welcome, God. You're welcome, God. This moment could only have been born from the, the sincere and quite astute heart of a three-year-old. But how much do you think God enjoyed that conversation? How much do you think God enjoys talking to three-year-olds? Jesus says in Luke chapter 18, verse 17, Scripture says, I assure you that whoever doesn't welcome or receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never receive it. God has no trouble carrying on a conversation with a three-year-old. And you want to know why? Because children have not yet been convinced that they can be their own gods. Hello? Children, cannot, children have not yet been convinced that they can be their own gods. Little G. We can never experience the nature of God's peace in our own self-sufficiency but only in a relationship that resembles the dependence of a child on a parent in the statement peace be with you Jesus is reminding us not only do we need to remove the us the part that, that consists of doubts, the part that consists of failures, the part that consists of, of fears of this world. 
Not only do we need to remove that part of our faith equation, but that the God part, the part that we desperately need the most, the part, the part that God is calling out, wanting us, desiring us, that part needs to be as second nature and dependent for us as breathing itself. We need to be as dependent upon God as that three-year-old is dependent upon his or her parent, his or her guardian, the one who has been called by God to care for that child. You know, God uses tangible things in this world, things we touch, things we smell, things that we see, to ignite belief. God uses so many different catalysts of belief in this world. In the scripture today, the scars can't go without being mentioned. The scars on Jesus' hands and, and the scar on his side served as tangible evidence that Jesus really was placed on that cross, that Jesus really did come off of that cross, that Jesus really did rise from the dead, and that really was Jesus standing in their midst in that upper room that day. The real goal of God's relationship with us, though, is that we might believe and not just us, but everybody in God's world, all of God's children, we might believe and not require that constant reminder that God's presence in, that God's presence around, that God's presence about us is sufficient alone for our deepest and our most pervasive moments of need. Grace is sufficient and God is good all the time do we really need to be reminded of that all the time or what do we need to do in our own individual lives for belief that our God's presence and grace is good enough all the time what do we need that we don't need to constantly remind ourselves of that? That it just comes as second nature to us? That's a hard question to ask if you think about it. Because this world has so many different distractions. So many different things that it, 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 it throws out at us. How many of us, sometimes we find ourselves in the same situation as the disciples we need to be reminded of what has been done for us. We feel like the pressures and the voices of the world are overwhelming. You see, the disciples in that room were scared of what they had done, but Jesus is there to remind them of what had been done for them. How many of us need not to be reminded of what we have done but need to be reminded of what God has done for us. How many of us feel today as though there is so much us in the way and not enough of God that we need to remove ourselves out of the way 
and approach God with the heart and the dependence of a three-year-old. Just like Jesus did for the disciples, Jesus makes his scars readily available for us to touch anytime we need them. Anytime we need to be reminded that his grace is sufficient. As long as Christ lives and reigns, we have no reason to fear because God is good and grace is sufficient. Peace be with you. May that reminder go with you through whatever you're going through through whatever may come upon you in this world. And may peace be with you, get you through anything this world dare try to throw at you. This is the gospel message today. The peace that God brings is far superior than any threat of fear this world can try. Peace be with you. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.